are listening to Omnis Protocol. I am Charles, also known as Omnis, and I'm here with Emmanuel Class, aka Emonstrous. Welcome back to the show, man. It's good to be back, Charles. It's it's been a long time coming. I always enjoy recording with you. You are kind of my my podcast bro, to say the least. Absolutely. I feel like I've been around the world and back again in the podcast realm, and it always feels like coming home when we podcast, Charles. Aw, that's that's how I feel as well. But now I have a very important question for you, Emmanuel. Do you know what time it is? Uh, Game time? (laughs) It is time for Asgard! You see what I did there? um so anyway this is for asgard part two um and we're gonna dive into asgard in more detail um emmanuel you seem to have really connected with thor and asgard so i was happy you were able to get on for this episode yes um prior to the black order stuff coming out i was really really deep into asgard and they were quickly my uh favorite affiliation and a lot of that is how they play but it's also just that connection to the comic books and the characters as well makes sense all right well we got a lot to cover so let's dive right in so as with all of the um part twos of the affiliation focus keep in mind if you haven't listened to the first one and you're a newer player i would recommend doing the basic episode first the part twos are a, a kind of a the same list of questions but it's a much more advanced look at each of the affiliations to help people think about the the longer term strategies of playing that particular affiliation so First off, we talk about win condition. And what I mean here is how is this particular affiliation going out and getting uh, a VP lead? What is leading to that VP lead? Is it dazing and KOs? Is it based around the secure? Is it based around the extract? Like what, what is that path to victory and where are their natural strengths lie? In the case of Asgard, uh, obviously, they're a very durable affiliation, right? You've got Odin's Blessing, Thor's got a lot of boxes, um, Loki can mess with your ability to actually hit him, and he can use I Am A God defensively, Hela's solid stats and can be hard to KO, and Valkyrie's even above average durability for a three threat. So all of those things in, I think... If when you have that as an advantage, right, you want to like force that on your opponent and be like, I'm going to make you deal with my durability, even if you didn't plan on doing that. And I think one of the important ways for them to do that is going after extracts really aggressively. Mm-hmm. Because as soon as you cross the table and you like turn one, take an extract from your opponent, even if they had a plan and they're like, I'm going to play Wakanda, I'm just going to push people around, I'm actually going to kind of minimize my attacks. You can't do that. As soon as as soon as Asgard puts you in that sort of position, then you have to deal with their durability. And I think I think that's one of the really key things that is going to lead to their advantages in the games is force your durability on your opponent if they're playing a less offensive team, like if you're not seeing Cabal or you're not seeing a really like attack focused Guardians or something, then go for some of those extract plays. I think that's going to be one of the primary ways that they they develop that advantage. I would agree that the control game of the scenario is really important. Um, and how you manipulate your opponent, both like 
So we talked about their durability, but like throws are really kind of, and moving people are Absolutely. also an integral part of how Asgard plays. And I think that is what really drew me into being able to say, I don't have to beat you into submission necessarily. There's a lot of options here for me to play the game at hand. Yeah, I mean, you've got Thor that can throw size fours, so he can actually throw Hulk or MODOK off of a crisis. Mm-hmm. Valkyrie is the only character that by herself can generate a throw every single turn without needing to do anything special. Like, she always, every round, will have two power unless she's penalized in some way. She's and my Loki- robot. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Uh, I think Valkyrie is still currently my pick as best character in the game. Mm. Uh, And so having her in Asgard as their three threat is a huge boon to them because it's not like Mm. any of their characters are bad. But then you also got Loki with the mind gem. And so I agree with you. The two strengths of Asgard is really going to fall down to taking advantage of their durability to make aggressive extract plays and taking a hold of the secures and using your throws to give you that sort of advantage and make sure that at the end of the turn that they have stuff that's just been tossed off of tossed off of the crisis and so that it's easier for you to score the secure points and all you really only need to gain an advantage by usually one two maybe three points and i think like 95 percent of the time i feel like that's how asgard gets it is one of those two routes also, when you're really close to the end game and being able to just control that and be like, I'm going to throw you as far away from me as possible, and we're going to just play keep away until I win. Like, you can take a lot of control in the end game by having that powerful manipulation on those last couple points, especially if it's a race to the end. Yep, and I like because a lot of their things can like stack with each other where you can have Thor throw someone off that's already activated, and then... Um, have Loki like mind gem them even further away afterwards. And you can set up a lot of characters to be like, man, I've got a double move to even like be back in and be mm-hmm. relevant. Like there are times where you may want to like use the, use two different characters to really mess up another. Um, it's really good when you can get them to put in a position where they have to choose between being relevant in scenario play or chasing down your characters and like actually hurting them. And then if they're tilted towards being a very combative team, uh, you can put them in a really bad position where they're not getting any good options. I totally agree. Um, I haven't done it in all of these questions in the prior episodes, but I do want to say, I think it's important with Asgard to realize that you're not a, um, You're not a damage-focused team first. All of your characters absolutely can hit when they're supposed to, but I would probably lean towards doing it when the odds have shifted in your favor some because they don't naturally have much in the way of rerolls and such. And so I think know when to strike. Like, if you've already thrown a character a couple of times and now they're Mm -hmm. softened up and now you you have a much more... Um, high odds chance of dazing him, that's when I would kind of like reach out and be like, okay, this is my time to daze this character and just take them out of the crisis completely this turn. But I won't, don't make that the primary plan. I think secures and extracts in a more um, control way Mm -hmm. uh, is is definitely better for them. And then Thor, go! Yeah. Knowing when. All right. Well, let's talk about controlling priority. What I mean here is 
does the affiliation generally want to go first or last? And does getting or not having priority require a shift in game plan? What's what's your feeling so far here with Asgard? I know you can often be a very aggressive player, but we were also agreed that it's a very control-oriented faction. Where do you think Asgard lands? Um, in my opinion, Asgard's generally a pretty adaptive faction for priority. Uh, I think they'd often prefer the last move in the round to be able to really have that control over how the board state ends. But Thor and Loki both like to go early and make big moves and... Um, Loki likes to be able to get things under his mischief early, so that can also be an early gameplay. Yeah, absolutely, and I think um, Hela as well is one that because she doesn't have a throw, like if I end up with an early activation, it could definitely be um, it could definitely be Hela. Just like okay, well she's going to unload into someone or like totally relocate to a better position. Um, I will often, mm-hmm. like, because we were already talking about how they want to go for extracts, I will often use my early play, like if I'm going first, to either set someone up to heal that person or give them a defensive buff or just move that person to a totally better spot that takes them out of threat. Like, I like using both Black Panther and Okoye in um, in Asgard a lot. And so sometimes I'm like, well, Black Panther has this extract and they're, like, trying to take him down. He's going to double move now and be in a totally different, safer spot for him. Or it might just be, okay, well, now Okoye is going to like relocate, spear blast someone, so she has two power, and then be in a position to bodyguard. Like Those are some of my turn one plays when, um, when I do have priority. But yeah, man, does Asgard love going last. And they're just like, all right, uh, end of the turn. Thor throws you off of this. <laughs> Enjoy that. Well, and Black Panther and Okoye both bring, like, Black Panther bringing more durability. He brings you a long move to the team, which is important. And then more control on the way he bounces stuff around. And then uh, Okoye as well is just, she can be that, you know, durable control piece. Absolutely. I find, in general, especially in Asgard, I don't really want to bring in characters that are overly fragile. Because it kind of gives your opponent a target. In a lot of cases, we're like, oh, that, that, that's the weak link. That's the chink in the armor. Um, and so I try to make sure that the whole team is just like, like, Ugh, I don't like attacking any of these characters. <laughs> so let's talk about Shuri in that, you know, she's pretty glass, but she also brings rerolls to the team. Yeah, absolutely. And it's one where I think any of these sort of plans get a whole lot better. And I feel like you, because I, I mean, we're talking about priority when you have priority and you're like, this is an opportunity for Thor to daze someone early. And Thor is a great person for that because he can throw them potentially before you daze them to make sure that they're not close enough to someone for an easy field dressing. Mm-hmm. And so you have multiple opportunities to relocate them to a spot that's really awful to try to like undaze them. And but his math can be really bad sometimes when you just you, he's not dependable without the rerolls. So there are some situations where I would say um, bringing in Shuri may not be a bad idea, but you you still got to be mindful. Like I almost always if I'm playing against a Shuri, she almost always gets dazed and often gets KO'd like mm-hmm. she's a priority for people to go after, too, because they yeah. want to neuter your rerolls. Yeah. So it's important to make sure that you have things set up in such a way where them going after Shuri ends up being beneficial for you overall. Um, 
So if they like mm. do their first activation, like they have priority and they go after Shuri, you want to make sure that that one that like takes a character out of position and like helps protect your extract plan, um, that sort of thing. And well, and speaking of wanting to control priority in that sense, she's vulnerable in that a lot of times you want her to go last because you want her to go in and push things off points so that you can get that uh, momentum moving forward. But that puts her in a position where you're immediately going to get retaliated against sometimes. Uh, and if you put your opponent behind on those points, sometimes it's more valuable for them to go and nuke Shuri than it is for them to continue to try to effortless. effortless. I'm sorry, that's not the right word. Uh, <laughs> Effortlessly? Yeah, spend too much effort trying to get that point, and yeah. instead they have to go for her. And so it, it creates this situation where... You can use that to your advantage to gain momentum and tempo, but you may have to sacrifice her in that play. Yeah, I think she's one that normally wants to be that last activation, but I think in Asgard, I might lean towards activating her sooner and use her pushes instead of for um, secure management, use it to kind of protect characters from double attacks. Um, and so I think in Asgard, I might lean more towards activating her early to get her the power so that she can um, better use upgrades on your team and, like, improve their durability even further and, like, use her pushes to, like, from a very direct control, like, I'm going to try to negate your attacks by pushing you out of position, Um I think that sort of thing. Or maybe even pushing them into a Loki bubble can also be mm -hmm. super annoying. Um because she still does make some teams, but I don't I don't play her a ton directly in Asgard because I'm just not attack focused. But hmm. well, we've already started to move towards crisis coordination, so I think we should probably hop over there. Um, what I mean with crisis coordination is specifically which crisis are they advantaged into and which ones potentially cause issues. And if those issues are large enough to justify a multi-affiliation roster or, you know, if you need to bring specific characters to accept that. So what have your feelings been on Asgard so far? Is there a crisis that is specifically advantaged for Asgard in your mind? Asgard wants to leverage its power advantage and above-average defenses. This makes Deadly Meteors one of their favorite crisis options. Uh, they can pick up an extract turn one and interact with the Origin Bomb on any Asgardian characters, uh, which is fantastic. Asgard is also one of the better affiliations to make bold plays for enemy extracts. Odin's Blessing helps protect Hela, immediately going for an extract, and then you can use the affiliation bonus to heal as well. Uh, evacuation is one of their favorites. Yeah, I, uh, so to back up to your original point, I really think Deadly Meteor... <laughs> God, we neither of us can talk today. Jesus. That's because we uh, decided to record at 9 o'clock in the morning. I know, we haven't gotten our practice in. Um, so... I want to hit specifically what you said about deadly meteors. I think this crisis is a huge advantage for Asgard. I would go so far as to say, if you are not leaning towards playing deadly meteors as an Asgardian player, you're probably making a mistake. This crisis feels extremely advantaged for them. Like their natural multi-power generation makes them so good for this and so reliable for this. Their above average defenses across the board make it so they just naturally have what you need to be flipping the origin bomb. 
And anytime you take damage from it, the Asgardian leadership sets you up well to like heal from it and just keep going. I my I nicknamed my Asgardian team Meteor Guard because this is my number one plan right out the gate is if I can force meteors on almost anyone, I feel great about that with Asgard. Mm. Um, it's also important how you, what your other characters are that you pull in, but that's part of why I like Okoye with her three energy defense for only two threat. And, um, Ronin has been a big one where I'm like, Oh, I love pulling Ronin in, especially on deadly meteors. So, Hmm. um, but let's also, let's also talk about the, the extract some, cause I mean, we, we hit on it in the first question, but I do think that, uh, evac in particular with their additional power generation it really helps them hit those key numbers to evac on the right turn and like survive to be able to evac so i agree mm-hmm. on i agree on both of those points um have those been the uh have those been the crisis that you've kind of leaned towards or there's any other that have jumped out at you i agree i think all asgardian players need to be playing deadly meteors period and if you can force it you should yeah <laughs> Yeah, I can't really think of a situation where I don't want. I've even tried it against Black Order and still felt like I was advantaged even when someone had the reality gem. So what are some of the crises you want to avoid? Um, I have found that I do not feel like Asgard by itself does well into Gamma Wave. Mm. It, they have some really awkward math with Thor being a five threat leader and not having multiple threes that are affiliated building a diverse team for gamma wave seems like a like a rough spot for them and so i think in almost any um asgard roster you probably want to have um i think wakanda fills in really nicely because they already like okoye and they already like black panther so really you're just kind of like squeezing in shuri which is you know not really that big of a stretch anyway Mm -hmm. and so if you have those three characters and you just find one slot for wakanda forever in your tactics cards then you can build um a nice team with Valkyrie plus another three threat like Drax or something and play a Wakanda wave style team. If someone tries to force gamma wave on you, but it's not really where I want to lean when I play Asgard. Cause I, I don't like the three. Th- I don't like, uh, as I've seen people play like Thor, Loki plus mind gem and Modok, something like that. And it can feel strong some of the time, but I don't feel super comfortable with it in a lot of matchups. It's still really easy for the dice to bone you, and you got to play that perfectly with three characters. And so there's even a single mistake can just totally collapse your game. I agree. Yeah. I agree, especially about gamma waves. Yeah, I suppose the one thing that might be worth testing would be Thor, Valkyrie, and like Thanos plus Mind Gem. Mm. That could be a 15 threat team that uh, that I could potentially get behind because you still have multiple throws and Thanos can move characters around and such. And Thanos is going to be crazy durable with the Asgardian healing. So if I were going to play a three threat team, that might be what I would try. But that's that's mm. more of me speculating as opposed to having hard evidence. Fair point. All right. Um, you want to move on to balance of power? Sure, let's dive in. I think this is always one of the most interesting ones for these um, kind of advanced affiliation focus. Balance of power is still an interesting topic 
what we mean here is how does the affiliation manage its power and its opponent's power, and then how does that management play into the game? And one thing I found with Asgard, um, for example, because I think any affiliation can play fine on formula, right? Like anyone likes getting extra power, but I try to avoid that sort of situation with Asgard because I want to specifically leverage that I naturally have a power advantage. And I think Infinity Formula can kind of deplete that. Now, there are situations where if you're constantly like throwing and pushing them off so they don't get that extra power, it can feel even better for you. But... Mm -hmm they often can still set up well on the second turn. And I like to just negate as much power generation for my opponent as possible. So all of my bonus free power just feels more impactful on the table. So in general, I would say Asgard wants to keep the team, like keep the overall game at a lower power generation um, because it just means their natural advantage had a larger impact on the overall game. Still kind of an interesting concept for MCP and like it may prove in the long term to be something that's not as important to think about. But right now it is something that's jumping out at me. Have you tried playing Asgard specifically on formula? Do you have some games there? I don't. I've kind of just been meandering my way through something different every single game. And so I, if I have experience there, it's only, like, one game, and I couldn't give it to you on, like, well, this is how much mirrored experience I have there. <laughs> no problem. Um, so, kind of playing off the balance of power topic, how do you feel about adding characters that can bring gems, like, say, Ronin plus Power Gem, or Star-Lord plus Power Gem, or Corvus plus Reality Gem, or even, like we just said, Thanos plus Mind Gem, stuff like this where you're going to have other characters that generate multiple power? What are your thoughts on that in Asgard? I like that quite a bit. Um, and I think you also mentioned each one of those characters that could carry one of those gems and every one of them comes off better to me with their gem like they're good but then they have their gem and that's like almost how they were designed to be played uh star lord really comes to mind and that he really shines when he's got his gem loki who is already part of the asgardian affiliation also uh has he just functions better with that gem so getting the extra power is kind of that uh, bonus to them functioning at the level they really should yeah, I agree. I, I do want to be careful when I'm starting to like stick in additional gems because you like if you if you end up in a spot where you're down a character where you're mm -hmm. that can affect your overall power generation. So this is something I try to keep in mind. But I agree, especially with Corvus. Corvus feels like yes. he's the right character. Like him at four threat is like, eh, he's fine. Him at five threat with reality is like, oh yeah. <laughs> Um, Thanos is the same way. Like he's a solid six threat character, but as soon as you give him a gem and it's a free bonus on him, you're sort of going, "Ugh, this guy does a lot of work." I think Star Lord and Ronin are a little bit more like flexible, where they can go either direction. Mm -hmm. um, but when I can, I do like as long as I get the right team and the math works out. I think it, leveraging that further power advantage can be great for them. But. We don't have to dig in too much on this one. I think the the key the key thing here is try not to let the game spiral out of control in power. Um, try to avoid using big spender attacks that generate a bunch of power for your opponent as well. Because again, you're kind of trying to keep this medium, you know, kind of at a, a medium level, and so 
you use your strikes as much as possible. Keep your power generation like on par with what they're getting um, mm-hmm. from the attack side of things so that your natural stuff continues to give you an advantage. Because basically, if you go and blow a bunch of your power on big spenders that they then get to use, um, use all the power generated from that, um, that basically can like kind of negate your advantage in some of the later turns. But doesn't mean you don't go for it when it's a, a game winning play. Mm-hmm. Um, so let's talk about common mistakes. Um, again, this was not one I originally had planned for all of them, but when Pat and I were talking about it, it just kind of fell into the conversation. I think it was an important thing to mention. Um, and I've already said a little bit with Thor, I think sometimes people play him too aggressively and don't realize when he wants to be in kind of a support position. Like I found, especially for Asgard, there are certain turns where I just, instead of for Asgarding and getting him up there and putting him in danger... I mm-hmm. love doing two different hammer throws and then shock two key characters can be a great turn one play where suddenly they're like, none of your characters are easy to daze anyway. Now I have two characters that are shocked and the whole math of being able to pull it off starts spiraling out of control. Um, and so I think it's a really important thing with him to just like, he's not all about charging in every single time. Sometimes know when to like help him protect his team. Um, and I think that's probably one of the first places that I would say jumps out at me as like, I I don't think people should always be doing that with Thor. And it's fun. Don't get me wrong. It is fun to go in and have hammer time with Thor. But I would say he's a more versatile character than just that. He can be a beat stick, but I don't trap him into that role is I guess what I'm saying. Is that I really like you felt with Thor? Um, well, I really like what you pointed out uh, that he kind of changes from early game to end game, right? So in the beginning, you were talking about shocking two characters being really powerful, a good swing, and that you're right. They, it, they're very difficult to daze at that point anyways. So it's a good early game play. But sometimes in the end game, that's not going to win you the game, right? And yep. so you have to think a little bit deeper and a little bit further on what you can do with Thor specifically and his flexibility in that he can play control, he can go in and beat things up, or he can grab a crisis and hold on to it. it he can make the wrong choice just as easily as he can make the right choice. For sure. And I think his math is really important, especially when you're not playing him in Avengers and you're playing him in his Asgard you really want to be thinking about how much power you need the next turn as well. Like if you're playing deadly meteors and you're like, I want him at that. I want to make sure that he's going to be at four power next turn. So he has the ability to throw someone off of a point and then try to flip the meteor. And in that case, you know, you kind of want to end his turn with two. And so that might specifically go, okay, I'm just going to like take a couple of, I'm going to take a hammer swing and see what happens and see how much power I generate before I make other decisions. We're like, oh, cool. I got enough power. I have one extra. Perfect. Now I'm going to throw a hammer at someone else to shock them. And then it'll still leave me with enough power that I know that I can do the throw and um, throw and interact next turn, even if nothing else helps me. So um, I just think thinking about all of those options for him, I think is really important. Are there any other things that you've felt? I know that you're not playing Asgard all the time, but has there been anything that jumped out at you that you think may um, maybe something that people are making mistakes with with Asgard or something you found that you were making a mistake that you wanted to correct? 
you can definitely see how developing good habits, especially over the affiliation bonus, can make or break your ability to play the faction smoothly. Oh, I totally agree there. I have gotten to the point that I always have um, affiliation tokens that I leave by my cards, specifically for marking who has used the affiliation bonus in each turn. It Mm -hmm. also helps me remind myself, like, you have to do it at the beginning of the turn. And if you start activating someone, you can't go back and do it. You have to, it has to be at the start of your turn before you activate a character. Are you going to use the affiliation bonus? And so developing good habits about using it when you can use it and who to use it on um, all are all are very important. But I, I love it. I usually heal like 10 plus health over the course of the average game with Asgard. <laughs> Um, and I love taking an already durable team and being like, we're constantly healing. <laughs> um, and it, it can feel awful. I've gone into like really daze focused teams and just been like, you got one character dazed one. <laughs> and I'm like a non daze focused team. And I still ended up dazing more of yours than you did of me. Uh. Um, but yeah, I, I think those are those are all good points. But there's so many ways to play Asgard. I think it's a hard affiliation for you to make mistakes unless you are trapping yourself into one plan and one plan only. Um, they're they're too versatile. There's too many too many too many strengths there. Like constantly pe- see people talk about Valkyrie's offensive output, um, and it's important to know like when it's the right turn for her to just double move and throw someone. But it also is still important if you're always using her as a throw bot. Sometimes when you have a character at that right point, you're just like, you know what? Valkyrie's going to go to town, like especially if she's been dazed and she's loaded up on power. I will happily go, Okay, well, I'm going to save two power to make sure that I can throw. But let's just see if I daze them first. So. All right. Well, the final topic is game evolution and how have new releases and how the releases affect other teams ended up affecting Asgard. Has there been anything that jumps out at you as something you're really excited to play in Asgard that is released recently or releasing soon? Thanos, 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 <laughs> Thanos. Oh my God. Thanos. Why? What about Thanos and Asgardians jumps out at you? Well, I think that he plays into their durability role. I think that he can fill a lot of the flexibility that they need and he's Thanos. I want to play him. <laughs> yeah, I, I definitely feel you there. And um, even Pagani himself has said that he particularly likes um, Thanos in Asgardians. It's not something I've tried yet because I already like my Asgardian roster so much. It's hard for me to start making big changes to it. And man, is Thanos a big change to any roster. Without a doubt. Um, but uh, I will also say, obviously, I've kind of mentioned Ronan has been one where I've been really enjoying experimenting with him in in Asgard. And so that's something that I think he's going to remain in my roster. But, man, those roster slots are getting so tight. Um, Drax, too, that whole box, actually. I think both Drax and Ronan potentially fit in fit in nicely there. Um, Ronan a bit more so because I do think that Asgard wants to pull in an energy attacker um, mm-hmm. into their roster one way or another. And as I've already said, I like Black Panther in there. Um, Okoye is a little bit of an energy attacker. Like I probably use her energy attack the most of all of her attacks. Mm-hmm. But pulling in someone like Ronan, I think, is pretty big for them where he is he is two powerful energy attacks um, and he doesn't mind using those at all. Um 
And Ronin can also shock people too. So I love it when you're like <laughs> using both the range attacks from Ronin and Thor to be shocking people. And that even further like pressures the issue of Asgardian durability. You're like, so, did so I like, shock your whole team and now you can't do shit? <laughs> do you don't you wish you had an Asgardian ability to like just negate shock with one power? Wouldn't that be great for you right now? Mm, bet you wish you were playing some Asgardians. Yeah. I have not had a chance to play Asgard into Asgard. That's going to be a very interesting game, and I don't know what to think of that matchup just yet. Um, but it'll it'll definitely be interesting to try. Have you wanted to use any of the other Black Order characters in Asgard, like Black Dwarf or Proxima and Corvus? Any of that jump out at you? I, that'll probably be the split of my roster at first as I kind of figure out how I want to balance those affiliations in my roster is it'll be just bring both the uh, Black Order and Asgardians and see where they fit in together for me. Yep. I also I'm like I'm starting to debate whether Miles is going to make it in or not. I usually have mm. a three threat um, unaffiliated spot and the idea of him um, him coming in and having solid defenses because he's three threat, five stamina, and he's got spider senses. So he's pretty solid there. His big attack, like his venom strike, is energy, and that's kind of the one I want him to build towards so that he can force someone to drop an extract. So, um, because I can run into issues where I feel like I don't deal with Black Panther well enough when I'm not running Hella. Like if my core team is Loki, uh, Loki. Valkyrie and Thor, I can often like struggle into Black Panther. And so um, having a character like Miles, I can just be like, well, my plan wasn't to take you down. I'm just going to make you drop the extract. <laughs> um, I, I like good. that. So that's something that I'll be thinking about. All right, man. Well, was there anything else in regards to Asgard that we didn't squeeze into one of the questions that you wanted to mention? No, I think that that was pretty thorough. Yeah, I will say, I mean, if I had to, like, hardline pick what I think is the strongest affiliation, I think it's Asgard to me. Not by a lot, but I think I think Asgard is just really, really, really good. I agree. I think they're really well designed. Yeah, absolutely. It was one where it took me a while at first. Like, when I was first playing Asgard, I'm kind of like, what do I want to do here? <laughs> And it's, it is also an affiliation that can be kind of easy to make mistakes with. Because, again, I think we all wanted a four Asgard all over the place with Thor when he came out. It was just like, let's charge in and take some hammer to the face, baby. Um, but starting to learn, like, when to do it and also realizing, like, yeah, Thor's got a decent amount of health. But that dude will still go down. If you overexpose him. God, I think my first game with him, I uh, charged him into Modok. I went for the four Asgard. I got it. But over the course of my two attacks, I think I did like two damage, maybe three damage to Modok or something. Like it was not much. And then Modok staggered one shotted Thor in response. <laughs> I was like, that is not the way I wanted that to go. But it's good to it's good to have that kind of reminded like, hey, Thor's a big boy, but he certainly does not last forever. Loki sometimes. Loki sometimes lasts forever. Jesus, that guy can be awful to attack. But all right, man. Well, I think we're gonna wrap this up. Emmanuel, I really appreciate you coming on the show and getting to chat with me again and stealing you away from Field of Fire. You've been doing so many great things over there. 
Always great to be back, Charles, and uh, great to hang out. I'll have to have you on Field of Fire soon. Oh, for sure. Always, always excited to talk with you. Well, listeners, remember, the most OP thing that you can do to win games is to ask Emmanuel what to do, because that guy's a boss. (laughs) I don't know about that. I will give you the (laughs) nicest answer possible. (laughs) Uh, When I think of OP, it's big and monstrous. Oh, you're so sweet. I love you too, Charles. Mm. All right. Later, nerds. Peace.